Amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. It's great that we're going to have some baptisms. Uh, we opened our cafe this week. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say that it's gone pretty well, all in all. Um, and uh, yeah, we towards the end of the week, we actually started to make some good money, um, which is very important because if we want it to sustain, we need to make some money, um, which is great. Um, but I think what pleased me more, really, was that... Um, we started to get people that were just coming in and spending time. Uh, and we had people that were just coming in and sitting and just enjoying being in, this, in the atmosphere. And you can see how it's creating that, that third place, uh, that place that's not home, that's not work, but that's somewhere where you can meet with other people and you can feel safe and you can feel happy. Uh, and you can already see, one week in, uh, how many people that we've already made connections with from the community that had never been into this building, uh, and how people are finding this is a place that they can really feel uh, is somewhere where they can come and belong. Uh, and so praise God that one week in, uh, we're already seeing his blessing. Amen? Amen. That's great. Um, so uh, I am this morning going to talk uh, about Jehovah. I'm going to see if I can get this right. Rohi, 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 R-O-H-I. Um, and uh, do you want to kick the, the slides out? That's great. Uh, and uh, this morning we are going to continue, we've been doing a series on knowing God and looking at the names of God and what that means. Uh, and Jehovah-Rohi means the Lord is my shepherd. And I think that is a beautiful picture, it's a great sermon to preach uh, on a baptism service. Uh, because what we're seeing for Will and for Timo is that they are, uh, you know, beginning at different points, but they're beginning their journey with God. Uh, they're beginning their walk with God. And so what I'm going to say this morning is hopefully applicable to all of us, but particularly to Timo and to William, I'm speaking to you, uh, that you may learn some of these things as you go about your journey. So I'm going to start by reading... Uh, this famous psalm, Psalm 23, uh, most of us know it, but we're gonna, uh, I'm going to read it uh, for us this morning. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." So this is a very famous psalm, and in fact the Bible talks a lot about shepherds and sheep. Now, I'm a city boy, okay, only ever lived in London, okay, I do not know much about sheep, okay, I discovered, can I just say, I discovered this week, right, that my uh, great-great-grandfather was uh, uh, a freedman of the city of London, uh, and apparently as a freedman of the city of London, if I'm correct, you are allowed to cross your sheep across London Bridge, is that right? Uh, that is one of the things. So maybe it is in my blood more than I know. Uh, the only other connection to sheep that I have uh, is that Helen's aunt and uncle are uh, part-time sheep farmers. They do it as a bit of a sideline building uh, business. But the truth is I know very little about sheep. Right? So this week, my reading was pretty much all about sheep. Right? 
And it's surprising how interesting that subject becomes. All right, when you find yourself watching long videos on YouTube about sheep, you realize, I'm taking this too far. Uh, <coughs> uh, but I am going to try and encourage us this morning to get in touch with our inner sheep, uh, our inner sheep this morning. All right? <coughs> so the first question that we should ask ourselves is, why sheep? Why does the Bible choose sheep? Now, I don't know if you've ever played any of those games. Those, uh, those of us that have done any kind of management training or business training will have played that game where they say, imagine what animal you are. Yeah? And generally, people say, I'm a lion because I'm fierce. Yeah, look, there we are. Right, another one might be, I'm a dog because I'm loyal and I'm faithful. Or I'm an owl because I'm really wise and I'm a good listener. Nobody says sheep. <laughs> Nobody puts their hands up and says sheep, do they? Let's be honest. All right? <clears throat> But if we really want to understand what Jehovah-Rohi really means, what it means to know the Lord is our shepherd, we have to understand our position as sheep. So the first thing that we're going to realize about sheep, and I haven't probably animated this, so you're going to get them all in three things. The first thing we know about sheep is that sheep are dumb, right? I read a story, and it is a true story, because I, I did try and fact-check it, because you'd read some all kinds of nonsense on the... Uh, on the internet, but apparently in 2005 in Turkey, literally hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths while shepherds looked on in dismay. Right? Apparently 400 sheep were killed, right? but the rest, right, the rest of them, apparently another 1,100 survived because the first 400 provided like a cushion um, that the rest of them fell onto. Um, <coughs> Apparently, it was estimated that that loss cost nearly $75,000, right? Sheep are stupid, right? They will follow, right? And that's the first thing we need to about sheep. The second thing about, that we know about sheep is that sheep are directionless, all right? Sheep are prone to wander, right? I want to tell you a story, which <clears throat> when, I was, uh, when I was teaching a few years ago, uh, myself and the current head teacher, who is now the uh, CEO of the trust that I work for, so oversees 20 schools, and another deputy head who is now also a head teacher, the three of us took up a group of kids to see uh, the Michael Jackson thing in the theatre. What's Wes Clubby? What's it called? Michael Thriller, that's it, yeah. Um, and uh, we went to see Thriller, and we were taking 40 kids across London, right, okay, and we got to the theatre only to discover we were one short, right? I kid you not, we were one short in the middle of the West End, right, okay, we've got future kind of leaders of big organisations, and all of us saw our careers flashing before our eyes, and we were literally running around the streets of the West End looking for this child who we eventually found was just wandering. He was just wandering around, right, because he had got lost, right? Sheep are prone to do that. If they are not well looked after, they will wander off looking for something, they get distracted, and they lose direction, and given uh, too long, they will get themselves into all kinds of trouble. The third thing that we realise about sheep is that sheep are defenceless, okay? There are no ninja sheep or karate sheep marks, sorry. <coughs> so, in a... Uh, I want you to imagine, right, that a sheep is in a field and a bear comes along. Big bear, right, okay? Now, you've got three reactions. You've got fight, you've got flight, or you've got something called posture. Now, let's think about fight. Sheep are not equipped to battle, right? Okay, they do not have claws, they don't have talons, they don't have teeth, right? I think the most they can do is kind of like headbutt, right? That's about 
that's about all they've got going for them, okay? Right, so if you're, uh, pretty much there are no kind of wild sheep uh, in, in the, uh, out there in the wild simply because they have no way of fighting off predators. Okay, what about flight? Well, I don't know if you've ever walked in a, a field full of sheep, but sheep are not known for their speed, okay? Particularly if they've got a big coat of wool on and it's been wet and their wool is wet, okay, pretty much they are quite slow and not very agile. And so basically what happens is the only defence they seem to have is that they group up and they just run in groups, hoping that somehow that the bear will pick someone else rather than them, yeah? Okay, that's pretty much their, their only flight mechanism. So uh, what about posture? Well, a dog can bark, uh, you know, uh, a wolf can growl, right? What can a sheep do? Mah, yeah? <laughs> right? It's not intimidating, right? So a sheep is pretty much, all right, dumb, directionless, and defenseless. And when we think about the concept or the picture of God being a shepherd and us being a sheep, he doesn't say it as a compliment to us. Right? We, need to be, we need to take a realistic assessment of our own life, of the kind of people that we are outside of God. We may think that we are, all right, fifth dam, karate, I won't be picking a fight with Mark. All right? <clears throat> but do you know what? I've realised the more I've gone on with God, the more, if I am to discover really what it means to know that the Lord is my shepherd, it is to accept and acknowledge that in, really the truth is that you are like a sheep that you aren't as clever as you think you are, right? That you really can't defend yourself as much as you would like. You are vulnerable. That really, given you know, too much rope, you will find yourself wandering all off and getting yourself in all kinds of mess. And that's the truth. I tell you, that's the truth about my life. And, you know, that is the problem. That is the reason why so many people can't follow Christ. It's because they cannot come to the place of accepting their own vulnerability, of accepting their own need of God. And if you really want to discover... Right, who God is, you have to start always in this place. I'm a sheep. I haven't really got a huge amount going for me. You know, and you may uh, <clears throat> look at us as elders and leaders in the church, as I know you do, and you think, what guys? What a guy. Right, you just think, what, these guys are awesome. They're just amazing. They've got it all together. Angela particularly, right, finds me. Just, she is in awe of me. Right, <clears throat> When, when we're working together in the cafe, she never shouts at me, clean that up, right? She never shouts at me and tells me I'm doing it wrong. She's just in awe of me because I get it right all the time, yeah? <clears throat> Do you know what I tell you? I tell you the secret of eldership and the secret of leadership. You think it's about becoming more competent, about becoming more able, about getting your life more together. It's actually the opposite. Right? It's about recognising and acknowledging and coming to a deeper place of realising that really outside of God you haven't got much. And you come to a place of greater and greater dependence on God. And that's what God's purpose for you is. It's not to make you more self-sufficient, it's to make you less self-sufficient. And that's the great problem, right? In the world, everybody, right, if right from day one in school, you're being told you've got to be self-sufficient. You've got to have it all together, right? Let me tell you, in the Lord... That's not true. It's the complete opposite. And the older you get, the more dependent you become. But let me tell you, the less dependent you become on yourself and the more dependent you become on, on God, Will, Timo, the more joy you find, the more peace you find, the more strength you find, the more you can endure things that you never thought you could endure. And this is what it means, is if you want to start your journey with God, you have to start in this place. You have to be in touch 
with your inner sheep. You have to embrace your inner sheep. So, <clears throat> having embraced your inner sheep, right, that's where we begin if we're really to understand who God is. The second thing we know is that we see in the psalm, the first line of the psalm is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, it says in, uh, Jesus says of himself in John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And, you know, one of the things that happens in our Christian life is that we are constantly being fed lies. And the lies are this, and they always really much sum up to, to two major lies I've discovered. The first is, right, is it going to click? Oh, I'm pressing the wrong button. Yeah. The first one is that God is not good because he is unwilling. Right? God is not a good shepherd because he doesn't really want to do good to you. You know, maybe God's not interested. God's lost interest in me. God's bored with me. Maybe, you know, I've done too much bad stuff. God doesn't want to be good towards me. God may be a shepherd, but he's going to drive me harder than I can go. He's going to, you know, lead me to places that I don't want to be in. It's that are not good for me. That'll be what, I ha- what, what you will, uh, the kind of the first sign. The second lie is this, is that God is not good because he is unable but God is not good because he's unable. He's not a good shepherd because he's not really able to provide for you. He's not really able to take you into green pastures. He's not really able to give you everything you need. And that's the, the lie that people fall into believing, that somehow God is not either able to do it or doesn't want to do it. And so I'm suffering away here and I'm struggling through life, but God isn't really good. This morning, we need to be careful that we... Don't try to come into a situation where we're trying to find our own way into green pastures, our own way into what we want or what we feel we need. We have to come to that place of letting the good shepherd lead us into green pastures. Now, in more of my research around sheep, is this going to click on? Come on. I I discovered that... It's actually quite difficult to get a sheep to lie down, right? It's quite difficult, apparently, to actually make a sheep lie down. And there are four conditions that are required to get a sheep to lie down. The first is they must be free from all fear. Basically, one of the defining characteristics of sheep is that they are very, very fearful, right? Literally, they see a stray rabbit running across, and they can panic, and then they can all end up running, running round and round. A sheep can actually die, apparently, from panic, Right? That is one of the things. You can actually have a sheep that just gets too afraid and just falls over and dies. Yeah? So it is really, he, a shepherd is responsible for removing elements of fear. The second thing is that there must be no tension between members of the flock. And so it's important that uh, apparently sheep are very, very social animals, very anim- animals that very much work as a flock. And so there must be unity amongst them. Right? They mustn't be aggravated by flies or parasites. And they must be free from hunger. They must be free from hunger. Now, those are the conditions to get a sheep to lie down. Okay? Otherwise, what will sheep do? Because sheep are stupid. They just keep going and going and going, and literally they burn themselves out, and they get themselves into trouble, and they die. Literally, basically, the conclusion is sheep die really easily. Right? Okay, that's why I've discovered. Without a good shepherd, sheep die. Now, when we think about the, the idea of green pastures, we often think about this, right? Because we're British, right? And we love the countryside, okay? And when we think of sheep, 
we think lovely meadows, flowing green, right? Okay, how difficult can it be to bring us into green pastures? And ever you take a sheep, right, really the truth is you only ever see sheep in lovely green fields. But the Bible wasn't written in England, right? It took me until about 15 to figure that Jesus wasn't British, right? Okay, I always assumed he was, right? Um, but Jesus was an Israelite, right? He was Jewish. And there, then when you look at sheep farming in Israel, it looks a lot more like that, okay? Right? And there are, I, I'm getting a hankering more and more, I don't know if anyone else is getting this, to go to Israel, right? Because genuinely, right, things that you read in the Bible get, make much more sense when you realise where they were written, right? And, and when, you know, you think about green pastures, right, most of the Israel, you know, places in and around Israel are pretty dry. It's the Middle East, Right? It's basically desert, most of it, right? And so the concept of green pastures is very different. Basically, if you're looking for uh, food, this is pretty much what it is. I I'm not joking, right? You know, I watch loads of videos on YouTube. It's got to be true, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and what happens is there's a little bit of moisture, and basically there's, there's like, you know, stuff grows up in and around small rocks. And so it's very important... Right, that the shepherd knows where to take the sheep because there literally is a minimum amount of food. But yet they can bring them into places where they are no longer hungry. But left on their own devices, sheep would wander around and they would not have enough. And you know, that's the truth, is that life is quite like that for us. That's what life is like. Life in the Christian sense, right, William, Tim, I'd love to tell you something different, but the truth is it often feels like you're walking through deserts where there isn't much to eat. Right? And you can get into situations where you feel like you've got to take control of the situation, where you've got to take control. You've got to sort it out yourself because God is not providing everything you need. And we're tempted to not believe that God is good and not, that God is not able. And so what we try and do is we start trying to run off on our own and we don't believe the word that says, I am, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. He leads me by green pastures. He makes me to drink by still waters. And we've all done it haven't we? We've all been there where we've tried to take control of things in our own life. But I want to say this really, really clearly to you. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. He will not fail you now. He will not fail you in a year's time. He will not fail you in 10 years' time. Jim's 90 and he's discovered that, that, that God has never yet failed him. But this is the truth, is that we have to believe on that every single day. And as William said, he gets up in the morning and he prays and he goes to bed at night and he prays. Timo said the same thing. You know why? Because you have to remind yourself every single day, he will not fail me today. He will give me everything I need today. I do not need to go off searching for it. You know, Timo wanted a year or two ago to get himself a job that would enable him to have more time. He spent a lot of time travelling, didn't he? Right, backwards and forwards, going to East Grinstead uh, every day. And he said, I want to have more time to serve the church. And so we began to pray, and the Lord provided him a job. It was a job at my company, and I was his boss. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? A week ago, Timo got another job. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, Timo didn't interview for, Timo didn't interview for those jobs. Or, no, not properly. He didn't have to go through an application process. God provided you know, William, this week, as we've heard, got awarded the Rising Star Award. Well done, yeah? And the Lord will continue to bless you all the days of your life. And you need to believe that. And my greatest sadness in church leadership and ministry is when you watch people trying to take care of it themselves. 
because it only ends badly. They might think they've got it together for a little while, but sooner or later they miss out. And you know, you have to come into this place of realising that the Lord is your shepherd and he will lead you into places of green pastures. Amen. What does it say uh, next? It says he restores my soul. Now, uh, it says he restores my Can you see the picture of it? It's not, not very clear. There's a sheep on its back, right? Okay, sheep are so lame, right, that if they fall on their back, they literally cannot get back up again, right? And something to do with the gases in their stomach. If they lay on their back for too long, they literally just die, right? So <clears throat> if a sheep falls on its back, that's it. It's pretty much done for. And again, I watch videos on YouTube of people running across fields because they see this sheep like, up in the air, right? And they're trying to tip this sheep over, right? And apparently the technical term is called casting, right? It's... it's um, uh, it's casting sheep when sheep need to go back over. We, many of us have heard the famous story of the prodigal son. Uh, not the prodigal son, the lost sheep, where the, the shepherd goes off and he walks and he searches and he searches. He leaves the 99 sheep behind to go and find the one. And what would have happened, it would have been a very familiar story to people that would have read it, right? As they would have had to leave their sheep because they would have known that one sheep would have wandered off and somewhere, stuck in a hedge somewhere, on its back, right, okay, right, it's stuck there. <laughs> It's the picture, isn't it? Yeah. Stuck on its back, right, literally waiting to die. And what happens is if a shepherd wants to get its sheep uh, back, what it has to do is it has to turn it onto its side, and then what it has to do is it has to sort of massage and rub its legs to get the circulation going again, and it tips it back up on its legs, and it kind of strokes it and then gives it a whack, and off it goes. And, you know, that's a picture of the way in which God restores us. The shepherd restores our soul. You know, there are people in this room who have been through some very tough times. Very tough times. Times where you feel like getting out of bed in the morning is a challenge. Where you look at yourself and you think, how am I going to get through today? And you get to the end of the day and you tick it off the list and say, I've got a day. You know, when you feel depressed or you feel dejected or downcast. And there are people in this room that have been through real trauma. When you've been badly damaged, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, it's happened, whether it's emotionally, maybe even physically. And it's a picture of being trapped, maybe in a ditch or a hedge, and you can't get up. And your soul is wounded. Do you know what it means to have a wounded soul? That something in you is just hurting. And you can't quite describe it, you can't quite explain it, but somehow, you know, if someone talks about it, it stirs something up inside of you. You just feel tender in that area. You think to yourself, I don't think I'm ever going to be the same again. And not just, I'm not talking about, you know, the thing about our bodies, our bodies heal. But our hearts, they don't in the same way, do they? Time doesn't necessarily make things in our hearts any better. But you know, what's wonderful about the Lord Jesus is that he is the good shepherd and he promises to restore your soul. And I want to say that over your life this morning and speak it to those people this morning that feel that their hearts are wounded, that things have happened, whether it's been this week or last month or last year or some people 10 years ago. Some people lost a parent 10 years ago and they've never quite recovered from it. And their soul is wounded and they feel lost and there's a promise for you this morning that if you will receive it, that you will come to a place where the Lord will restore your soul. He will restore your soul. It's a promise. 
It's a commitment from God to you this morning, and I'm speaking specifically to certain people. He is saying to you, I will restore your soul, and you will come back to a place where one day you don't hurt like you used to. And not because you found a way to patch it up, but because God has healed you, because God has picked you up, and God has tenderized you again gently and made you to that point where you can be soft again and you no longer need to be hard. This morning, the Lord wants to put hope back into your heart. Some of you have forgotten what it means to hope that life can be any different, that life can be anything but the pain and the suffering, the anguish and the frustration you feel. And I want to say to you this morning, he will restore your soul. It is the word of God to you this morning, and you need to receive that if that is for you this morning. So what about the next phrase in this? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Guys, I want to give a challenge to you, to Timo, to Will. God wants to make you fearless. God wants to make you mighty men, bold and strong. And I want people in your workplace and your friends to identify you as men who they say, these guys aren't afraid of virtually anything. Now, why, does you, why is it that I want you to be like that? Is it because you're hard men and you're tough and you've got a fifth black belt, you've got a fifth down in karate and you can take anyone, mate, bring it, right? <clears throat> is it because you are going to have it all together and you've got it all under control? No, it's because you have come to the place of knowing that you can walk through the most toughest of situations and you are not afraid of anything. You know, what should define and mark out Christians from anybody else is their fearlessness their boldness and their courage, right? Christians should not be weak, afraid, pathetic people who hide away in corners and run away, right? If that's the case, then God is not real because, or, or we have not come to the place of understanding this truth that the Lord is my shepherd. What the Lord is my shepherd, I fear no evil, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, says, it says it doesn't matter what happens to me, I know God's got it under control. It doesn't matter what's in front of me, I can go through it. It doesn't matter if I'm going to go through the same thing again, I can do it again. How about that? Right? That I know I'm going to get hurt, but I'm going to do it again. You're, and everyone's saying, you're mad. You're absolutely crazy. Why would you do that? And you say, because they, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's what should mark out and define your life, is a fearlessness, a boldness. When was the last time you prayed for boldness? And you said, you know what, when was the last time you found yourself in a situation where you were out of your depth and panicking? Now I want to tell you, and this is a bad example because it's so silly really, but I want to tell you, this week I was in that place, right? <clears throat> okay, now Thursday I, I, had to, I said that I would help out in the coffee shop because Angela was really struggling, <clears throat> she was really finding it hard, <laughs> whatever, yeah, <clears throat> um, <laughs> Anyway, and um, so, you know, we were, we were, to be honest, this week has been really tough because please pray for Anna. Uh, Anna's our other major cafe worker, our other employee. And, of course, the week that we begin, she goes down with some kind of flaringitis. Um, and she's been off all week, we're sick. I mean, just the timing, you know, yay though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, yeah? All right. <clears throat> anyway, so I had to get up, and so it was me and Angela and uh, Steve's mum, and me and Steve's mum had only really done one sort of trial session before that. Angela knew what she was doing, and she was shouting at me, as she does. Um, <clears throat> and we got to the situation, and we started to, and I didn't really know what I was doing, because, 
yeah, I just didn't. And anyway, it, it, I started to get a bit, you know, nervous, right? Now, a few weeks previously, we'd had a conversation in one of our planning meetings around the complexities of sandwiches, right? Okay. <laughs> now, <clears throat> in this meeting, right, <clears throat> there's Sam. There's Sam. Sam created our menu. Sam's a professional chef, right, okay? And Sam's view was, it's just sandwiches, yeah? <laughs> just sandwiches. How hard can it be? It's just sandwiches, yeah? <laughs> Right, and, it, and, uh, and uh, right, okay, and it became a running joke through the meeting, right, and myself and John were in the same camp, oh, come on, I was, try I was trying to be sensitive to other people that didn't, that thought that maybe it was more complicated than it's the sandwiches, right, um, <clears throat> you have to do it like that, he was literally doing it like that, uh, and then John and I were like, it's just a sandwich, how hard can it be? <laughs> Can I just say, right, that when you have to make a sandwich, when someone's watching you, right, you're under pressure, right, okay, you're trying to follow a recipe, all right, okay, and uh, basically you don't know, really know what you're doing. It's a lot more than a sandwich, Sam. <laughs> all right? It's genuinely difficult, all right, okay? Right, and... Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, and we didn't have chicken, and then we were like, then someone walks in, can we have a chicken bacon? Like, yeah, of course, yeah. Where's the chicken? We haven't got any chicken. <laughs> um, anyway, and so it had been just, it had been one of those afternoons, and it hadn't gone as well. And to be honest, I mean, as you know, I'm highly competent, highly talented, right? Pretty much anything I want to put my hand to, I can. But I went home that, I can I just say that's not true, right? Just anyone who doesn't know, I speak with a lot of sarcasm. Uh, and, uh, but I went home that afternoon, and I'll be honest, I felt out of my depth. I kid you not. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, that's going to become a thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, but I went home that afternoon, and I'll be honest, uh, and, um, and suddenly, you know those moments where you, where you suddenly, because it wasn't, it was just that whole sense of like, this was kind of, you know, I was quite heavily involved in instigating this, and suddenly now I'm like, have we gone out of our depth? It might just be a sandwich, but it was more just the whole thing. Right, how are we going to do this? How are we going to deliver this to the public? You know, we haven't got a clue what we're doing. We maybe haven't got enough people. We are out. And, I, and I'll be honest, I went home and I was, I was a bit... I, I, Thursday evening, I was just feeling a bit fragile, to be honest. And I got up Saturday morning and I had to do it a Friday morning. And I, I'd volunteered to do a whole day in the cafe Friday morning. And I'll be honest, I came in Friday morning and I, I didn't feel in any way ready or prepared. And I felt out of my depth. I, I felt out of my depth. Now, but you know what? I said in my heart as I, as I drove to the church on Friday morning and as we prayed together, I was like, Lord, I'm going to keep on going because I'm going to be bold in your name. I know that I don't, you know, I know I can probably get the hang of this, but I'm afraid right now and I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep doing it until it gets comfortable and I'm going to keep going. Do you know what? Friday we smashed it, right? Okay, right, okay. Mainly because Andrew was shouting at me the entire day. Uh, <clears throat> all right, and, but we did it. And you know, at the, end of the, at the end of Friday, I felt very different. I felt like, we got this. Yeah, we can do this, right? But I was in a position which, to be honest, I'm not just kidding. It's un, it isn't usual for me to find myself in that situation. But I was genuinely saying to the, saying to the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. He is with me. He, I, he, I can do this if he is with me. I can do this if he is with me. I can do this if he is with me. And, it's, and I want to ask you, where in your life are you in a place where you are thinking to yourself, 
I am out of my comfort zone. I am out of my depth. I am in a position where I'm walking and doing things that I do not feel comfortable doing. Because the protection doesn't come from you. The protection comes from the shepherd. You're just a sheep wandering along a path. And it might be a really rocky path, and it might be on the side of a cliff, but if the shepherd is with you, you won't fall over the edge. And you know, we should be a people and Christians that are marked out and defined by our boldness. We should be defined by our ability to be courageous and fearless. And I want to ask you this morning, where in your life are you defining, defined by that? Because if you're not, you need to get before the Lord and you say, Lord, take me out here. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm willing to go wherever you lead me. You know, <clears throat> to finish, I, I read a story. It was just a, an anecdote, really. And it said, it was a Sunday school teacher who said uh, to her Sunday school class, she said, who can recite for me the 23rd Psalm, word for word. And a little girl put up a hand, and at four and a half, uh, you know, this Sunday school teacher was sceptical. And this little girl walked up to the front, and she stood there, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd. That is all I want. The Lord is my shepherd. That is all I want. And that's the essence of what this psalm is. That's the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to acknowledge that you are just a helpless, dumb, defenceless, directionless sheep. But the Lord is your shepherd, and that is all you want. And I, I want to say to you, I don't know, there are people in this room this morning that have not committed their life to follow Jesus, that are not choosing yet to follow the shepherd. And I want to say to you, can I be dead honest? I think you're mad. I think you're crazy not to follow Jesus. Right? And I'm not saying that to be rude, Right? But I have, and I tell you what, there's a whole load of other people in this room that have discovered that over the years that they have found God to be faithful and they have God to be, found God to be loving and kind and gentle and that he has made them more than they ever thought they could be. Joe, you know, this Sunday, Friday afternoon, this Friday, Steve was amazing. Steve, fist bump, right? You were awesome, <laughs> right? Okay, Steve was genuinely amazing. Those of us that knew Steve 18 months ago, Steve couldn't get out of his house. And I'm not saying that to big Steve up, but because Steve literally didn't understand what it was to not know fear. But now Steve can walk and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can make a sandwich. <laughs> and you know, if that is how, you may think, I've got it all together this morning, I don't need God. Let me tell you, you are, if you think you are, or you've got it all together, you're more in danger than you realise. And I'm not saying that to be unkind, and you may think I'm an idiot, and that's fine. I'm happy for you to think I'm an idiot. Most people do, all right? But I want to tell you this. If you haven't yet accepted Jesus, it's really simple. It's saying, I'm a sheep, and I want to follow the shepherd. And I want to put my life in your hands. That's all it means to become a Christian. It's not any more complicated than that. That's literally all it requires. And it's a heart that says, yes, I want to follow you. And so we're going to pray and we're going to respond to God. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. That's all right. Just sing one song. The Lord, we're going to sing the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. But I'd like you to bow your heads, please. As I pray, I'm going to ask you, if this is you, just to put your hand in the air. And I really, really want you to not look around at everybody else, right? Because this isn't about being, you know, being all this or that. It's about you and God. And I want to challenge us that are Christians this morning. If we're trying to take control of our life, if we're not allowing God to lead us into green pastures, if we are 
lonely, but we're trying to find solutions in our own strength, if we're angry and we're trying to sort it out ourselves, whatever the issue, if you know that you need to be bold in your own life, I'd just like you to put your hand in the air as a response to God and say, God, would you, this is an area that I know that I'm not quite 100% with you in. You know, I've got my eyes shut. I'm not even looking. I don't know who it is. But it's between you and the Lord this morning. Do you need to know God's touch in your life, leading you out into boldness, knowing that he will restore your soul, knowing that he is a good shepherd who will give you all that you need? I just encourage you this morning just to reach out to the Lord and in your own heart respond to him and he will meet you where you are at. And I want to say to you, if you this morning are in a situation where you have not yet declared, even to your own self, that you want to follow Jesus, that you are a sheep that needs a shepherd, and you're willing to be, you know, dumb, directionless and defenceless, but you're willing to put your hands in the life of God, then I'd encourage you, raise your hand. If that's you this morning, put your hand in the air.